Uh, we do have a few announcements this morning, uh, just so you know, um, and as long as I'm up here, I might as well do those too, right? So the announcements this morning are uh, for, uh, for the youth group. Now, I understand that the youth group uh, this last week had an event at the Walker's house. And my understanding is, in fact, I think we have a couple of pictures. My understanding is there were food, lots of it, and water balloons, right? Now, who doesn't like summertime barbecue, food, and water balloons? You guys are so quiet this morning. Who doesn't like barbecue and water balloons? Everybody does. Everybody likes water balloons. So the kids got wet, I understand, and they had a good time. So thank you for the walkers for, uh, for hosting the youth group, which was, uh, I guess, uh, the youth group. They call that home group because it was at somebody's home, right? So thank you for that. They had a great time. And uh, speaking of youth events, there is a youth event this Wednesday, the 13th. It is Beach Day. Jordan, what beach are you going to? Carpinteria State Beach. So, kids, if you want to participate in the beach day, um, all you have to do is hit Jordan up. Okay? So hit him up today or during the week if you're watching this later, and uh, you can get plugged in to go to Carpinteria State Beach, where I understand the water balloons are even bigger than they were last week at the Walker's house. That's my understanding. And for ladies, another announcement, there is no uh, women's Monday morning Bible study for the next three weeks. So if you are anticipating, participating, doing a women's Bible study uh, for the next three weeks on Monday morning, um, that is not going to happen. And I'm sure one of the ladies will tell you when they are going to reconvene. Uh, And then lastly... There is a baptism that is scheduled for August the 7th. Now, why is that important? Because, Because, Pastor Randy says, because, I'll tell you why it's important, because Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see, we have a command to be baptized if we are followers of Jesus and have put our faith in Christ alone. Amen? Amen. So, you see, because in baptism, we are joined by faith with Christ in what? His death, his burial, and his resurrection. If you have not been baptized, please check with Pastor Tyler. It is a command and an ordinance of the church to be baptized and let everybody know that you had made the decision, whether it was years ago or if you even make it today, get baptized as an act of obedience and worship and bless the church by demonstrating your faith in Christ and him alone. Amen? Amen. So that's what we'll be doing on the 7th. You can check with Pastor Tyler about that. Well, good morning, everybody. Hello. I am so glad to be back here at the well and such an honor to be here today. And if you're visiting for the first time, I am not Pastor Richie. 
So I encourage you to come back when he is here. She can meet him. Love Pastor Richie. Love all the staff here and leadership team and all the people here. It's just always an honor. There's a beautiful and wonderful spirit here. Um, And uh, I love the humor in this place. I love the worship. I love everything about the well here. So I'm so honored uh, to be here, see some familiar faces and all that. So thank you so much. Many of you I know through assisted hospice uh, because I work here in the Ojai area. So it's nice to see some familiar faces. Um, Also with Mark Ministries, which uh, is a partner of the well here. And I'm so honored to be here to represent them as well. And as you leave today on the back table there in the kind of the foyer area, there is an update, the July newsletter or update as we have. So feel free to take that if you'd like to, so you can think and pray. It looks something like this. So that's on the back table as well. And then I encourage you to take one of our ministry cards, Mark Ministries here, and uh, it's got some of the information about what we do in the community. And then on the back, how you can uh, partner with us and pray for us even better. So uh, please keep those things in mind. How many of you here today and you were not here last time I spoke, or, or maybe you, you've forgotten it. I know it's been a long time and a lot's happened since then. But if you're here today and I'm, this is the first time you're hearing me speak, anybody like that? Okay, so Sarah, oh, okay, good, wonderful. Always good to see you new people. Well, I wrote a little poem just to introduce myself for you today, just to give you a little idea of what I do in the community and who I am. So I think I'll share that as we begin here today. Hello, everybody. My first name is Paul. Glad to be here. It's nice to see y'all. I'm from the South, in case you wonder, North Carolina, way over yonder. God's good to me. I got a nice life. 46 years old, married a fine wife. We got four girls. That's a lot of hair. A female dog, too. I could use some prayer. I am a chaplain and counselor in grief, helping the hurting to find some relief. I like to sing, but I just can't dance. Yet I'm going to try it with dementia residents. Now, California is nice and a lot different, too. Gorgeous but expensive. Yeah, you know it's true. So I plan to be here till my journey's end, because God brought me here to be your real friend. And I am so glad to be here in California to be here. Thank you so much. And again, such a great honor to be here today to be able to uh, speak uh, the word and to be able to give us some things to help us regardless of where we're, what we're going through. And, uh, and I welcome those of you again in person, those over uh, the live streaming as well. And thank you so much uh, for being here. How many of you are having a good day so far today? Would you raise your hand? Okay, most of you. Okay. Well, congratulations. I'm glad you're having a good day. Glad you're feeling good. That's wonderful. Glad to hear that. Now, don't raise your hand, but some of you are not having a good day. Some of you are not having a good year so far. Some of you have gone through some difficult things and are still going through that. And I want to say we rejoice with those who rejoice, but we weep with those who weep. And so today I want to speak some encouraging words, some comforting words. I want to be a blessing to you, a help to you as well, because I know that represented in this room right now and over live stream as well, there are a lot of us who can smile, say we're doing fine and we're happy and all this stuff, and that's wonderful and we have the joy of the Lord on the inside, but you can still have the joy of the Lord and still go through some difficult times, times of hardship and loss and grief And I want to kind of speak into that this morning, and that I hope will be a blessing. So I have entitled the message today, Good News in the Bad News. 
There's a lot of bad news out there. We know that. I'm not going to go there this morning. That's a given. But I am so grateful that the scripture gives us some good news in the bad news. And I want to talk to you about that today. Another subtitle of this would be a gospel-centered approach to a grief-stricken heart. You see, I've learned a few things about people from my own personal journey, but also through the people that I counsel and encourage and officiating about 100 memorial services every year. I've learned a lot by watching and listening to people. And I have learned that everyone leaves. Everyone leaves. Sometime and in some way, you and I are going to die and physically leave this old earth in which we live. Either suddenly or slowly. It's either a quick departure or it's either a long goodbye like a hospice situation where we struggle with cancer, Alzheimer's, or things of that nature. But I've also learned that not only does everyone leaves, everyone grieves. Someone or something. Depending on who you are and what you lose, we all grieve. You could be grieving a person that you loved and cherished and they're gone. It could be a pet. It could be a possession, a property. It could be your own power or health. It could be purpose. But we all have some type of loss that we're going through or have gone through or will go through. And everyone grieves. In the Jewish scriptures, in the left-hand side of our Bible, the Old Testament as we call it, the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse number 13 says that laughter can conceal a heavy heart, but when the laughter ends, the grief remains. So we all grieve some type of loss. But I've also learned this, that everyone believes. Did you know that everybody believes in something? Some of my friends believe that there is no afterlife. And though they will deny that they do not believe in anything, they actually believe in something. It's, just, it's called nothing. It still is a belief. Some believe in an unknown afterlife, that they're not sure if there's an afterlife. Some believe in the next life, like a reincarnation type of belief system. If they have a good life, they come back as a butterfly. If they have a Bad life and don't live well and don't treat other people nice and don't help all the old ladies cross the street, then they're going to come back as a beetle or a worm. Some believe in multiple lives. I'm hearing this one a lot lately that the life that you're in right now, you had a previous life, you just had, your soul was in another body, and when you die, you go into the next body, is a popular belief. Some believe in a good afterlife, like heaven or a paradise. And that's something that actually all of those before mentioned belief systems, all hope is true, that there is a good afterlife and we are reunited with our loved ones. Even those who deny God, I've asked them, don't you hope that's true? And they say, yes. I think that's within our hearts. We want to be reunited with our loved ones. We want to know that. And then some people believe in a bad afterlife, a punishment, eternal torment, and what I'm learning is that grief and belief are somewhat connected. Let me illustrate it with the following story. A man was going on vacation to Miami and his wife was going to meet him there later. There was a problem at the airport, so he had to take a later flight. When he finally arrived in Miami, 
he heard on the news that Miami was having a massive heat wave. He decided to email his wife, but sent his message accidentally by mistake to an elderly minister's wife whose husband just had died the day before. His email read this, listen carefully. Dearest wife, I departed yesterday. And as you know, I just checked in. There was some confusion at the gate, but I received confirmation of your arrival tomorrow. You'll be surprised how hot it is down here. You see, the things that we say and the things that we believe can be connected. What we uh, grieve and how we believe. So I have, have seen and experienced it myself and perhaps you as well that grief plus belief can bring relief. And a gospel-centered approach does that for us. It is important to remember that faith does not eliminate the grief and the loss, but it can help, and it surely does help. Unfortunately, some communities of faith judge and expect members to get over their grief by a certain time in the bereavement process, and that is so sad. A person's faith can be challenged in the grief process. However, it can also be strengthened during this time as well. So how does faith help our loss, help our bereavement journey, our grief? How does a gospel-centered approach help the grief journey? First of all, we must answer this question, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And for that, we're going to go to our main text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, follow along on the screen, or if you have your Bible or app, says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brethren, brothers rather at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Do you see the good news, the gospel as it's defined here? And that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You see, for those of us who have placed our faith in the resurrected Christ, the one who gave his life, the one who was buried but did not stay dead and came back to life and he is alive today, that gives us something special because we know that this is not all there is and that Jesus is alive. And that changes everything, my friend. As a certified grief counselor, as a thanatologist, as a chaplain, I see a lot of hardship and I see a lot of people grieving in all kinds of different ways and different styles. And what's amazing is to see the difference that Jesus brings to the picture. Even when we hurt and we grieve, as 1 Thessalonians 4 says, we sorrow, we grieve, but not as others which do not have hope. And we today, my friends, we have Christ that changes everything and also the journey of loss. So today I want to give you a few things 
that remind us of this process and what and how Jesus changes all this. And the first thing I wrote down today is the gospel brings peace in the problem. Grief is a problem. Let's just be honest. It's hard. It's difficult. It can cause problems with our sleep, appetite, memory, our physical well-being, our finances, our retirement dreams, and even family relationships. Grief can cause even anxiety, worry, fear, and habitual crying. The late Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken was on an airplane when an infant screamed and would not stop crying, even though the mother and flight attendants tried every trick in the book they could think of. Finally, the colonel asked if he could hold the baby. He gently rocked it to sleep. Later, a passenger said, we all appreciate what you did for us, Colonel Sanders. But he replied, I didn't do it for us. I did it for the baby. You see, sometimes in grief, everything is reset and we just need some peace. We need our Heavenly Father to hold us. And believing in the gospel brings peace in the problem. The gospel reminds us that grief is an expected part of life and promises that Jesus will give us peace in the problem, John 16, The gospel is also the solution to anxiety and fear in Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Additionally, medicinal support and counseling can be helpful as well. But many times we skip over Philippians 4, 6 through 8. I believe a great combination of those things can help us with those particular difficulties and challenges. The gospel assures us that our loved ones are safe, happy, healthy, free, and no longer suffering. Revelation 21, verse 4. I have found that the gospel-centered approach to grief brings us peace in the problem. I'll never forget my grandmother who uh, died from Alzheimer's a, a, couple, a few years ago now, uh, really just having a lot of challenges uh, with anger, with all kinds of problems as her memory was fading and parts of her were passing away slowly in the long goodbye. And I'll never forget as she was about a day or so before uh, passing away, we call it in the hospice world, she was kind of in the transitioning to the active stage of dying. And they uh, hooked up an iPad for her over in North Carolina, and I was over here in California. And they said, Grandma's been asking for you. And so we put up the iPad uh, to together, and they put the iPad over her face, and she couldn't move, and she could barely open her eyes and, and barely whisper any words. And as I began to assure her of, lo of love and that we cared for her and we're praying for her and read Scripture, and then as I sang, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And to see this dear 90-year-old lady, just a little smile come on her face and just a sense of peace that came over her, you could sense it through the iPad. It was just amazing to see what happened and, and to see that those were her final words as she said, thank you, I love you. And then passed away, this dear Christian lady and the family telling us there was such a peace that she experienced and peace for the family that God gave after that. It just reminds us that even in the problems of life, whether it's grief or some other type of loss or difficulty, that knowing Christ changes all that and he can give us peace in the problems. One um, interesting name I love of the Lord Jesus found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. One of the names that he has, he is the Prince of Peace. 
And he wants to be in our world. And he wants to, us to allow him to give us that peace that only he can provide. So the gospel brings peace in the problem. Second thing I wrote down is the gospel brings hope in the heartache. Hope in the heartache. Grief causes the heart to ache. It feels like part of your heart died with the person who passed away. Life can feel so hopeless without your loved one by your side. Have you ever felt hopeless? Let's be honest. Raise your hand. Have you ever had a time in your life where you felt hopeless? There was no way out. Most of us. I'll never forget when my family and I drove from North Carolina out here about eight or nine years ago. It took us eight days to get here with my wife, four kids, and a little puppy. Eight days. Wow, Texas is a big state. I did not realize. It took us like two of the eight days it was going through Texas. It was a long trip. And I'll never forget when we got here after that exhausting trip, and we made a kind of vacation. We stopped at the Grand Canyon and other places. But after we got here, I'll never forget, my wife turned to me and said, promise me one thing, we're never going back. <laughs> it was that long of a trip. And I remember after moving here to uh, the, this, the California area here and trying to figure out what we're doing and where we're going, I remember thinking this, and I probably even said it, I hope everything works out. I hope we can make it, especially when I paid the first rent bill. I hope we can make it. You know, that's a type of hope that we humans have. But the scriptures gives us a different kind of hope. It's a, it's a sure and steadfast hope, as Hebrews chapter 6 verse 14 talks about. It's a biblical hope. It's just as sure, even though it may be in the future, it's just as sure that it's a reality, just as we are here today, as you're sitting here listening to me. Hope in the future, biblically speaking, is just as real as this if, if it's already here, even though it's maybe a ways away. It's a biblical, steadfast, confident, expected hope that is sure fact already, even though we have not experienced it. And grief can cause those heartaches. But believing in the gospel brings hope in the heartache. It reminds us that our life is not hopeless it reminds us that the God of hope, as he's called, will be with us in the heartache, Romans 15, 13. The gospel assures us that there is a real place called heaven where Jesus has gone to prepare for us, John 14, 1 through 6. And that this life is not all there is. Paul would describe this in Philippians 1.23, that heaven is far better. To be with Christ is a lot better, far better than this world. How many know that this world is kind of crazy sometimes? Oh, yes. How many of you look forward to a far much better place? We do. And as believers, because of Christ, we have that sure and steadfast hope. As we grieve their loss, the gospel reminds us that we will see them again. 1 Thessalonians 4, that it is not completely over and that we are only separated temporarily. The gospel emphasizes that death for the Christian is just a change in location. I have found that the gospel-centered approach to grief brings us hope in the heartache. I'll never forget visiting a hospice patient with assisted uh, dear lady had Alzheimer's disease as she slowly faded away. And her husband was a very well-known humanist in Ventura County. He was actually a member of the society and a well-known, he was what I call an evangelistic atheist. 
In other words, hey, have you read this book? I want to talk to you about this. He, I mean, he was really pushing that on people. After his wife passed away, he started changing. And I'll never forget, at the memorial service, they actually asked me to officiate the memorial service, but they didn't want anything religious. So I just went in there and just gave and just loved these people to death. And I'll never forget, during the memorial service, this man stood up to the surprise of his sons and all his family and friends there. And he stood up with tears running down his cheeks. Everyone knew what he believed. And he said, I can't describe it, but there's something inside me saying that I am going to see her again one day. That there's something else about that. And that man and I were able to talk about those things and to plant a lot of seed in his heart. He knew that there was something. He wanted hope and believed that there was hope from the heart. Never forget talking with an agnostic man who denied those things, had a bad religious upbringing, denied it, walked away from faith and everything. Never forget uh, talking with him, 92 years old through Mark Ministries, going to visit with him, talk with him about this. And he said, you have loved me for four years. Tell me about Jesus. And I began to share with him. We talked about grief, talked about heaven, talked about the way you get there through faith in Christ. And to see this 92-year-old man to accept Christ and see the joy and the peace that flooded his heart and soul. And praise God, uh, he was able to uh, make sure of his salvation and get that settled. Two weeks later, he passed and he's in heaven now. Wow, it is amazing how the gospel-centered view, it brings hope in the heartache. I wrote down also that the gospel brings gratitude in the goodbye. Gratitude in the goodbye. Grief is difficult because we have to say goodbye to people and pets. Sometimes we think that person will call or come through the front door like they used to. After my brother passed away, many times I started to press his name and his number on my phone and and then have to hang up while it was dialing. Sometimes they pass away without saying goodbye, or perhaps it is the long goodbye as we mentioned a moment ago. Regardless, we don't like to say goodbye to people that we love. Someone said that 90% of men kiss their wife goodbye when they leave the house. 10% kiss their house goodbye when they leave the wife. I don't know if that's true or not. But when we have to say goodbye to people or things that we love and care about, it's hard. Someone also said saying goodbye to someone just means that there is a hello waiting around the corner. And for the believer, that's the the comfort, that's the gratitude. That's what we can be thankful for, even in the difficult goodbye. Believing in the gospel brings gratitude in the goodbye. The gospel adds a spiritual hello after the physical goodbye. It reminds us to be grateful to God in all things, including bereavement, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It helps us focus on the time that we had with the person instead of focusing on the death, whether five years or 50 years. It reminds us that every good gift is from God, James 1.17. And the time that you had with that person, the privilege of knowing them, the impact that they made on you, That right there, my friend, was a gift from God. It reminds us to be grateful for the good times and the memories. It makes us grateful for what our deceased loved ones taught us about life and love and how they impacted and changed us and the legacy that they leave behind. And this gospel-centered approach to grief 
brings us gratitude and the goodbye. My grandfather was a Presbyterian minister in Virginia, retired. And I'll never forget getting off the school bus on February 10th, 1986, and learning that my beloved grandfather had passed away from a heart attack. And I immediately began to remember and think about, even as a 10-year-old boy, and I've thought about many times since, of how he changed my life in that short amount of time. Whenever we would see granddaddy and we'd go out to eat or we'd eat home at Nana's house, you can tell I'm from the South, right? Nana and granddaddy, that's what we called them. He would always make, make us eat everything on our plates. He'd make us eat all that broccoli. He'd make us eat all those pinto beans, all of that asparagus, all of those Brussels sprouts, which, which I still struggle with, I'll be honest. He, all the cabbage, all the, I mean, made us eat all those things. You know, I always say there are a lot of people in this world that are starving and would eat that food right there. You better clean your plate, young man. He'd do it with a big old smile. He was the type of grandfather that would always, would joke around, big smile. I never remember him having any hair or anything, missing teeth and all that, but just a, a big ball of love. And every time a grandchild or a great-grandchild was born, he said, they look just like me, ball-headed and no teeth. <laughs> he was just that type of person. He just loved People, just a kind, encouraging, playing a little, little Nerf basketball. Remember when those things, are, I don't know if they still have that. Oh, man, we have all kinds of fun playing that. But I'll never forget those sh short lessons that he taught me in just 10 years about eating and doing some of the difficult things. And I'm so grateful that I knew him, even though it wasn't long enough. And it makes me grateful that even in the goodbye. The gospel changed it all, knowing Jesus, that he's alive. Because the gospel brings gratitude and goodbye. I wrote down another one. The gospel brings patience in the process. Patience in the process. I'm going to speed up just a little bit here. Grief is a process. You don't suddenly get over it one day. You get through it one step at a time. You can't go around it, but you can go through it. You don't graduate after a certain amount of time. It is a process. It is a journey. Everybody grieves differently in different times and in different ways. But believing in the gospel brings patience in the process. It reminds us that we can do this and we can get through this bereavement process. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, including bereavement and grief. It assures us that God is not mad at us and that he still loves us even though we are grieving a particular loss. The gospel reminds us that it is normal to grieve even as a believer as we mentioned a moment ago, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. It tells us to run our race with endurance, with patience as our eyes are fixed on Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. And we remember what he went through for the joy set before him as he was thinking of us. And when we put our eyes on Jesus, that will give us the endurance and patience to move forward. And it will ca cause us not to quit or give up or faint in the race when our eyes are on Christ. This gospel-centered approach to grief brings us patience in the process. So be patient with yourself and others as we go through this, and God will give us that. Marla Runyon gave her all to qualify for the Olympic Games in 1996, but her best time finished short of the mark to make the U.S. team. 
Undeterred by that failure, she returned in 2000 and made the team for the Sydney Olympics. Her eighth place finish in the 1500 meter race was the best finish ever for a United States woman runner. The thing that makes Runyon's accomplishments even more remarkable is that she is legally blind. She is the first legally blind athlete to ever qualify for and compete in the Olympic Games. Can you imagine how much patience she had to go through in order to qualify, compete, and do so well in the Olympic Games? Maybe our problem sometimes is our eyes are on everything else except Jesus. Maybe we need to be, maybe I need to be blind to some of the other things, put my eyes more on Christ so he can give me patience to run the race that he's called me to. Because it's hard, it's difficult. I wrote down also, the gospel brings comfort in the confusion. Grief can be very confusing, right? Very confusing. Why did this happen? How could this happen? What do I do now? A lot of questions to answer. A lot of paperwork to fill out. Death certificates, insurance forms. What am I supposed to do now? I'm so confused. Did you hear about the lady who said, I finally got a hold of my inner self. And she's just as confused as I am. <laughs> Confusion is part of loss and grief and difficulty. But the gospel brings comfort in the confusion. It reminds us that we are not alone in our grief. God is near, Psalm 34, 18. God will never leave us, Hebrews 13, verse 5. God has not abandoned you through your pain and loss. He understands. He is with you. He is the comforter. John 15, 26. The gospel equips us to comfort others who are grieving. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. That's one thing I love about the bereavement group, the grief support group that the well sponsors and partners with Mark Ministries that we hold in our community. Is some people, they come here, they're trying to get comfort themselves, but so many people are learning and now they're able to comfort others. It's a beautiful picture of 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. The gospel indicates that we hold them in our heart, Philippians 1, 7, and that they are with us in spirit, though separated, Colossians 2, verse 5, waiting for us to be reunited again physically with them, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, and watching down on us as we run our race, Hebrews 12, 1. I have learned that the gospel-centered approach to grief brings comfort to us in the confusion. When I was younger playing sports, my dad would come to all my games. He would miss work. He was there. And my dad would come, and every time um, I would score a goal in soccer or basketball or whatever, he, I would hear this from the stands, that's my boy, from everybody. Everybody turn around, who is that? That's my boy. And since that time, I've lost a lot of loved ones. Buried all three of my grandparents in the last year and a half. One right after another just passed away. Sometimes I can almost hear them, that's my grandson. That's my grandson as they're cheering and looking down. I can hear my brother, that's my brother. As we go out to make a difference and run our race. The gospel brings comfort. What a comforting thought that is to think of our loved ones. Then I wrote down the gospel brings forgiveness in the frustration. Grief is very frustrating to say the least. 
The result of frustration is anger. We get frustrated when something does not go our way and then we immediately become angry, resentful. It can lead to bitterness and ultimately defiled according to Hebrews twelve fifteen. Many grievers become frustrated with family, God, medical staff, the deceased themselves unusually, and many times they get angry and won't forgive themselves. The story is told of an elderly lady who never married. She seemed to be resentful that she never found the right man. So she requested that at her funeral there, there be no male pallbearers. In her handwritten request, she said these words, They wouldn't take me out while I was living. I don't want them to take me out while I'm dead. <laughs> she never could let go of that. But the gospel brings forgiveness in the frustration. Believing in a good God of love. I loved how we began the service. Believing in a God that is good, a God that loves us and forgives us, will enable us to understand our identity in Christ, that we are forgiven, which will then enable us to forgive others, Ephesians 4.32. When we realize that we have been forgiven for so much, that will help us to forgive others. Never forget a lady coming to my group one time, so angry, so mad at so many people. Mad at herself, mad at her husband. She said if he walked through the door, he had already passed away. She said I'd slap him on his bald head and tell him I love him and I hate him at the same time. There's a lot of that. That lady ended up in the hospital years later and passed away. She never could let go of her anger and her unforgiveness. It bled into so many other areas. But the gospel brings forgiveness in the frustration. And then lastly today, the gospel brings purpose in the pain. Purpose in the pain. Grief is painful. How many of you would agree? Raise your hand. Grief is painful. It hurts. There are no words to adequately describe the severity of our loss. Sometimes the best thing you can say to someone who is grieving and going through loss is nothing. Being there, hugging them. But perhaps many times I've said there are no words. I have no words. Because sometimes there are no way, ways to describe it. The pain can be emotional, mental, physical, and of course spiritual. For most people, the pain will lessen over time if they get the proper support. Individual counseling or a support group are surrounding themselves with people who love and care for them. Grief can feel like a roller coaster where it goes up and down, with some days being worse than others. But the gospel brings purpose in the pain. It proposes that sometimes God allows someone to pass away to avoid future evil or pain, which is a very overlooked verse in Scripture. I encourage you to read it, Isaiah 57, 1 through 3. Perhaps an untimely death or someone taken early, perhaps that is what happened. God knows. It assures us that God will somehow take this bad thing and make something good out of it. Romans 8.28. The Old Testament version of that is Genesis 50.20 when Joseph had lost everything and put in a dungeon and 
He says that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God had a plan. God wanted to bring some purpose out of that difficult and uh, evil situation. The gospel encourages us to cherish life, enjoy the time that we still have here on earth and with our loved ones, and to fulfill our purpose and plan here on li- on life in life here on earth. Jeremiah twenty nine verse eleven. I'm so glad that that verse reminds us that God has good plans for our life. He does not have plans to harm us or to bring evil upon us. They are good plans in every single one of you. I want you to know, if nothing else today, God has a good plan for you. Why? Because he is a good God. It also enables us to cherish our loved one's memory and to honor their legacy. And may I say today that the greatest example of purpose in the pain is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ died for us, but before he did that, he cried over death in John eleven thirty five. Jesus cried, shortest verse in the Bible, but maybe the biggest thing you needed this morning to know that Jesus understands. He wept when Lazarus passed away. Jesus fills our weaknesses, Hebrews 4, 15. As he walked along this earth, going through loss himself. Remember, as he lost his cousin, John the Baptist, he went through lots of grief and loss himself. No doubt it broke his heart when Judas betrayed him. Many times we see where Jesus' heart was broken and he cried over the idolatry in the, in the city and so many other things. And then, of course, he suffered unimaginable pain for the purpose of rescuing you and me. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3, again, reminds us that he endured such contradiction of sinners, such hostility against him. Why? For us. So he could redeem us and rescue us. He went through so much pain. God, if I could say it this way, lost his son temporarily on the cross. He knows what it's like to lose a child. He knows what it's like to lose someone that he loves so dearly. But I'm so glad that's not the end of the story. Three days later, he rose again. He's alive today. The gospel-centered approach to grief brings us purpose in the pain. I'll never forget when I was younger growing up, my brother and I had responsibilities around the house. And one of our chores was, was to cut the grass. And we had a pretty good sized backyard and we didn't have a riding lawnmower. So we pushed motor. We, we couldn't even afford the bag that went on the lawnmower. We grew up very meagerly. So we would push mow the grass. And then the other one would go back, take the rake and rake it. Have you ever done that before? You know what I'm talking about? Rake up the grass? Yeah, okay. So on this one particular day, it was my job to push mow, and it was my brother's job, Mark, young teenager, Ross, probably 15, was around 13. It was his job to rake up the grass, put it in a bag, and to dispose of it accordingly. Well, as I am push mowing over here, all of a sudden, I'm on this side. I've already finished this side. I'm over here push mowing, finishing up, and he's over there raking. All of a sudden, I hear the loudest thing ever above the noise of the lawnmower, and I hear, ah, and I look over, and lo and behold, 
a snake had come up and bit my brother on the back of his leg and was literally hanging off of his calf muscle. Okay, so I, and I hate snakes. The only ones I'm afraid of are dead ones and live ones. Okay, all right, some of you will get that later. I despise snakes. So, but in that moment of adrenaline, I stopped the lawnmower and I ran over to where he was. And by the time I got there, I don't know what happened. But I looked and when I got up to him, he turned around and he was, and I said, where are you? Where's the snake? And he held up two pieces of a snake and said, the snake bit me and I bit it back. (laughs) He had bitten the snake in two pieces. I will never forget that. And I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. Still don't really know how to to deal with that. But I wanted to say something with that in mind today. The devil's like a snake. He's that old serpent, book of Revelation calls him. Remember in the book of Genesis, he entered the serpent? Deceptive. And he likes to tell us that God is not good. He loves to tell us that God calls that pain because God doesn't care and God's a mean, judgy God and God's not smiling on you and God's mean and all this kind of stuff. God's bad. Look at the shape of the world. Look at what you're going through. And I just want to encourage us all today to bite the serpent in Jesus' name because I want you to know that God is good. Let me tell you how good God is. I do not believe God causes the pain and wants to harm you. That would contradict Jeremiah 29, 11. I do believe not God wants to bring all this evil on you and reign and destroy your life and make you miserable. I don't believe that. But I'm going to tell you how good and awesome and powerful God is. He can take something bad. He can bring something good out of it. Some of you, your story is not over yet. Some of you, you're in the pain. Some of you here today and you're like, I don't see the purpose. I don't know why this happened. I don't know what God's doing. I don't even know if I'm going to make it. I'm barely surviving. I want to say, hold on. Don't listen to the serpent. Let's just bite him in Jesus' name. Because there is a good heavenly father who loves you and cares for you. And I love the privilege to be with Mark Ministries. Remembering my brother Mark who passed and biting that serpent as we go out in the community, as we help people in grief and loss. Last week as I officiated the memorial for a three-week-old baby, seeing that little white coffin, but trying to minister and support this young couple, helping people in bereavement groups in different churches, different places, people going through multiple complicated grief and loss. Going into facilities, several here in Ojai as a matter of fact, and singing and trying to dance with these dementia residents. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. And seeing them and just bringing some love and light to people. And then speaking in different places around here, and as you'll see on the report as you leave if you get that, Thank God in the month of June, seeing 13 people accept Christ as their Savior. I'm so grateful because I believe my brother's watching down on me. I believe my grandparents are watching down. 
more importantly than all of that, Jesus is watching down and he is with us. He is with you. He brings purpose in the pain. There's some I'm still waiting on. I don't see it yet. But there's some plan. And I have to surrender that and say, God, I need your help. I'm hurting. I'm grieving. I'm suffering. God, I need your help. But God, help me. Help me to trust you as I move forward. I'm just going to commit this to you. I'm going to trust you with it. You see, my friends, the gospel-centered view is the best view. It changes everything because Jesus is not dead. He went through death and loss, but he didn't stay there. He's alive today. And that's why we're here to worship him. That's why we're here to take communion in just a moment. That's why we're here to place our eyes on him. Because Jesus. I'm so glad there's good news and the bad news. Can everybody say amen? amen? Well, this time say it like you mean it. You ready? Amen. amen. Can everybody say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Everybody say Jesus is alive. Everybody say good news in the bad news. It's all because of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. God, you're good all the time and all the time you're good. We thank you so much for Jesus Christ who came to this earth, gave his life for us, died on that cross. Thank you so much. Rose again for us. Lord, I pray a special blessing now on each and every one here in person, those watching online, perhaps the recording later. And I pray that each one would take this message to heart. Just understand that you're with us, that there is good news and the bad news. God, every loss here, every pain and suffering, it's validated, it's real, and you know that we hurt. You know we're human. But I pray that you'd help us to fix our eyes on you. And I pray that you'd give us grace for each step of the journey. God, and bless us. If there's someone here today, God, that's never placed their faith in Christ, I pray today would be that day. I pray that you would just guide, it, guide us each step on this journey. We love you. We need you. Bless Pastor Richie and his family. Keep them safe. Refresh them. Bless those who are out and not well and, and for different reasons. I pray that you just strengthen and give full recoveries and bless each and every one. And thank you so much for the truth of this message and how you've spoken my own heart. We give you the glory and the praise for it all. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to receive communion. I want to encourage you maybe to go ahead and look at the chair in front of you or perhaps down here on the floor and go ahead and take, find your communion elements. We're going to take this in just a moment. Let me just remind you, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul writes about communion. And it's mentioned in the Gospels, and the Apostle Paul talks about the purpose of communion and why we do this. And these beautiful elements that we take, we take the, the cracker or the bread, um, we take the cup as well, and they're both included there for you. And we're reminded that we take this and we're going to bless it, we're going to pray and thank God for it. But the reason we do this is in remembrance of Jesus. It's not that we take this in order to be saved or gain favor of God. We do this because we are saved. 
We do this because we are favored. We are loved. We are cherished. And so when we take the cracker, the bread here in just a moment, that represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. That body that was broken for us, the crown of thorns that was placed on his head as he was beaten with a cat of nine tails, as it was, it's called, as he was nailed to that cross, the spear in his side, all those things, his body was broken for you and for me. This body that God in heaven took on human flesh came down to this earth, and that body was broken because of love for you and for me. And as a result of his broken body, his blood was poured out. It was shed. This was not ordinary blood. This blood was sinless. It was perfect, innocent blood. Because only the blood of innocence, the innocent Son of God, only that precious, perfect blood that was shed, that was the only thing that could wash away our sins. It had to be perfect, precious, priceless blood. And that blood was shed for us as he bled and died there on the cross. And so today we're going to give thanks to Jesus right now for that. We're going to thank him for what he did for us. And then we're going to take this in remembrance of him. Let us pray. Oh Lord Jesus, it's hard to comprehend how much you loved us and cared for us but we thank you for coming down to this earth. We thank you, Lord, for giving your body for us. Thank you that it was broken for us because of your great love and that your blood was shed so we could be forgiven. We could have a home in heaven so we could live for you forever on this new earth. Oh God, you're so good. And we thank you so much for the great sacrifice, the final ultimate sacrifice paid for us. And so, God, right now, we receive this with thanksgiving, with gratitude, and we thank you so much from our hearts. We thank you for what you did for us. God, we love you. We cherish you. We worship you. And from our own hearts, we praise you today for what you've done for us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we do have a few announcements this morning, uh, just so you know, um, and as long as I'm up here, I might as well do those too, right? So the announcements this morning are uh, for, uh, for the youth group. Now, I understand that the youth group uh, this last week had an event at the Walker's house. And my understanding is, in fact, I think we have a couple of pictures. My understanding is there were food, lots of it, and water balloons, Right? Now, who doesn't like summertime barbecue, food, and water balloons? You guys are so quiet this morning. <laughs> who doesn't like barbecue and water balloons? Yeah. Everybody does. Everybody likes water balloons. So the kids got wet, I understand, and they had a good time. So thank you for the walkers for, uh, for hosting the youth group, which was, uh, I guess, the, the youth group. They call that home group because it was at somebody's home, right? So thank you for that. They had a great time. And uh, speaking of youth events, there is a youth event this Wednesday, the 13th. It is Beach Day. Jordan, what beach are you going to? Carpinteria State Beach. Carpinteria State Beach. So 
Kids, if you want to participate in the beach day, um, all you have to do is hit Jordan up. Okay, so hit him up today or during the week if you're watching this later, and uh, you can get plugged in to go to Carpentry at State Beach, where I understand the water balloons are even bigger than they were last week at the Walker's house. That's my understanding. And for ladies, another announcement, there is no uh, women's Monday morning Bible study for the next three weeks. So if you are anticipating participating, doing a women's Bible study uh, for the next three weeks on Monday morning, um, that is not going to happen. And I'm sure one of the ladies will tell you when they are going to reconvene. Uh, and then lastly, there is a baptism that is scheduled for August the 7th. Now, why is that important? Because, Pastor Randy says, because, I'll tell you why it's important, because Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through 20 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see, we have a command to be baptized if we are followers of Jesus and have put our faith in Christ alone. Amen? Amen. So, you see, because in baptism, we are joined by faith with Christ in what? His death, his burial, and his resurrection. If you have not been baptized, please check with Pastor Tyler. It is a command and an ordinance of the church to be baptized and let everybody know that you had made the decision, whether it was years ago or if you even make it today, get baptized as an act of obedience and worship and bless the church by demonstrating your faith in Christ and him alone. Amen? So that's what we'll be doing on the 7th. You can check with Pastor Tyler about that.